All right, so this morning we're in Mark 10. We'll start with verse 32. Uh, again, working our way through the book of Mark. For those of you listening, 10th anniversary this weekend. Woo! Woo! That was all right. We'll see if we can do better tomorrow. Um, all right, so let's uh, jump in. Verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem while Jesus was leading the way, meaning the disciples. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and he will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Verse 35, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. He said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right. Uh, two l- little passages for us to look at this morning, verses 32 through 34. Um, has just one little, I think, an interesting way that it's phrased, because you don't see this um, really phrased in any of the other Gospels, where it says, um, Jesus leading the way, the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. It's just an interesting, like, they were all following him, and the disciples of all the people following him were the ones who were astonished. Everyone else was afraid by what it is that they're seeing. Um, and they're all walking towards Jerusalem. It's just an interesting little thing. Um, Jesus continues to say that he is going to be put to death, and he's going to be raised from the dead. This is the third time in the book of Mark he said that. Threes are important in the Bible. Um, repetition in Jewish culture, very important. Um, numbers in Jewish culture are very important. If things happen in threes or sevens, it means that they are meant to have a particular weight to them. This is the third time that it is that uh, Mark has said that Jesus is saying this. So just like from a literary standpoint, what it is that Mark is trying to get in is, hey, he's really serious about this. Um, he, really is go- he really is telling them he's going to die. He really is telling them he is going to be raised from the dead. Um, and so the way that you'll, you'll notice that, particularly in the Old Testament, you see it in some of Paul's letters as well, and then in a little bit in the Gospels, particularly in John, the way that numbers are used. Um, things are used to say certain things in the way that uh, how many times they're said in terms of like the number of times, or different things are said. So like John's book is written around seven different things that happen, these seven different signs. Uh, verse 35 uh, kicks off a new thing. Uh, this is really fascinating. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Yes. Thank you. 
Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Pause there. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Why does that sound familiar, Toya? Because it happened in Matthew. Which part? Their mother mother did. No, it's in Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. What else? Sound like the prodigal son, right? Uh, kind of. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe. What has Jesus told them? Ask me to do whatever you want, and I will do it for you. And so they come to him, and they say, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They are literally using the same phrasing that Jesus has used and taught them to ask requests of them. Now, the difference being they are coming with a very selfish request. <laughs> so like, their underlying assumption should be that Jesus is going to grant it. Like, which is a real, like, he said, all right, th- this is how John 14, 14 ends. Like, and ask whatever you want in my name, and I will do it. That's what he says in John 14. And then they're like, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's the exact same thing. They are fully expecting that Jesus is going to do it. They, at this point, would have no reason to believe that he wouldn't because they have already been sent out. They've already been given the, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's rested on them. They're carrying Jesus' name, which means that they have authority and power that isn't their own. It's given to them. And everything virtually that they've tried to do has happened. Not all the time, but most of the time. And so they're fully thinking they're going to get this blessing here. And Jesus is like, hey, can you drink from all the things that I'm going to go through? And they're like, yeah. Like, you're the king. We'll definitely drink from the winning cup, the cup of glory. We will drink from that. Um, there's a quote that I read a couple of weeks ago that I thought was really good. Um, and it, they said this, like, people who say that they want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world need to remember what happened to Jesus's hands and feet. Um, and that's what it is that Jesus is, like, really pressing down here is, hey, you think it's, again, like you think we're on this pathway um, and that there's going to be this thing that happens in Jerusalem and that I'm going to be anointed the king. And so when you talk about glory, you're not talking, they're not talking about eternal life. They're thinking in a couple weeks, we're already headed to Jerusalem. That's where they're going. That when we get there, there's going to be a regime change and there's going to be some open spots at the throne. So they're thinking in a couple weeks, they are essentially like getting things ready for their own rise to prominence. Um, and Jesus, I mean, sometimes you just have to wonder, he's just thinking like, we just talked about what's going to happen. Um, it's going like the baptism that I'm going to go under is like brutal and torturous and there's a lot of blood. And in a way that they probably didn't understand yet, um, the thing that, that he says to them is this, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Like, that is going to happen to them. Um, John, um, he undergoes unbelievable amounts of torture. Uh, it ends with him being boiled alive in a giant iron pot of oil, and he survives. He's the only one of the disciples who dies of natural causes. Yet, he still undergoes all of the torture stuff. 
Um, James is the very first one. So John's brother, James, is the very first one to die of the, the original disciples other than Judas who hangs himself. Or trips, depending on which gospel you're reading, which we will get to at some point. Um, but they both undergo like this, the same kind of baptism that Jesus is undergoing because they're part of a different kingdom than the one that they think that they're part of. And then he says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Why is it not for him to grant? Who is it to grant this? The Father. And so what is Jesus going to do? Well, he's, he's only going to do what he sees the Father doing. So he's like, until I know who's sitting at my left or right. And it seems to be like, I, I don't, it's not from, I don't grant who sits here. And is the only, the person who makes that decision is the Father. And then John five nineteen, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so until the Father tells me who those people are, or until the Father says the timing is right for me to reveal to those people that they're going to be there, Nothing to share here, fellas. Keep walking. Going to Jerusalem. Um, and then, we, we talked about this a couple of months ago. There's a, like, one of the most important lessons that Jesus gives, and I think the most important lesson for us um, on Christian leadership, at least is like the foundational starting point, which is the way that Christian leaders function is 100% different. 100% different than the way the world functions. And he even talks about it. He's like, you know how leaders function. There are rulers and they have subjects. And the people who are rulers lord their leadership over the people who are their subjects. Like, you know how this thing works. But I'm telling you, that's not how it works. Like, the way that leadership works is that you are a servant to all. You are a servant to all. That's what it looks like. And so not only will you join me in the way that, like, I, of the cup I drink, of the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with, but you're going to join me in my leadership. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom. You're joining the kingdom in the way that things work and leaders function differently. And so we don't exercise authority and power because we have positional authority or power. Like we exercise power as those who are meant to equip and empower the people of God to fully come into the people that God has created them to be. And to walk alongside of them in that is a privilege and not something to lord over to them. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be, the original Greek would be your bond servant, in the way that NIV is translated as slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then that's the posture of our life as well. We do not come to be served, but to serve and to let our life be one that could be ransomed for the goodness of what it is that Jesus is going after. The way that Joseph talks about that in Genesis 50 um, is he says, um, so that many lives might be saved. And so that's what we're going, that's what our leadership should inspire people towards. Um, It should inspire them towards freedom, towards them coming alive, to them being equipped Um, to them feeling as if like they are actually cared for and served and not like a pawn in your master chess piece. Chess piece. You are not a piece in their master chess game. It worked in my head and then it didn't really work 
You know what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm laying down. The cat's going to lick up with... Hold on. I just did... Hold on. I got another. Uh, I put the milk out and the cat licked it. I don't know. I'm out. I wish I had stopped recording a few minutes ago. If you're listening...